Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We do know how precious time is, and we are so appreciative of your choosing to share time with us. I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro, and please check him out. Google him, Ken Quiethawk. Uh, he and his wife have amazing um, CDs out there about uh, Native American uh, stories about their cosmology and their their traditions and their history and, and they're remarkable people. Please check them out. I would hate to have anyone not have that understanding in their in their backload of where you can go for wisdom and insight. I'm really excited tonight. I've got a, an amazing lady on the show with me. Her her name is Corby Mitlet. And um among other well she's she's many different things, as all of us are but she's written an amazing book that I thoroughly enjoyed, and, and uh, me, along with a whole bunch of other friends of mine, this is the book we wish we had written, but she beat us all to it. It's called The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. That in itself should tell you where we're going to go tonight. Um, this book is your field guide to navigating the world of professional psychics, Sharp, clear, and full of practical information for those who are intrigued by the idea of using intuitive assistance but have no idea where to start. And whether you're a first-time client or a veteran explorer of the metaphysical realms, you'll find clear and useful information and suggestions to make every session with your intuitive a valuable one. Corby has been on the mystic's path for over 40 years, meeting challenges, always questioning, leading the examined life. This road has illuminated an essential cosmic truth that God gives all of us what we need for a life filled with miracles and joy. And as long as our hearts are open, whole, and aligned with our source energy, anything is possible. And it never hurts to bring laughter on the path with you. I think it an essential quality. If she can share that blessing with you, she feels as though she's doing the right thing and in the right place at the right time. Corby is a psychic, channel, and medium, reading since 1973. 
She travels coast to coast and into Canada as a full-time intuitive counselor. She's appeared frequently on radio and television and is an inspirational teacher and facilitator. She's a featured channel in Robert Schwartz's breakthrough series, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift, and is herself the author of Clean Out Your Closet, Life Closet and the just-released book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road. She's, she's got an amazing quality to her that you're going to recognize as soon as I bring her on. And her experience and, and the things that she has been through to journey to this point in time, very much in, in several ways, you know, there are places where we are very much in sync as to our travels. So I'm so looking forward to this interview. Corby, welcome to the show. Wonderful to be here. I oh, am can I so uh, do one correction? Sure. It's Mitlide, not Mitlid. Mitlide. Nobody okay. gets it. Mitlide. Nobody gets it right the first time, Barbara. It's okay. Well, that's all right. I'm just going to cor- call you Corby anyhow. And um, the one oh. thing I want to send people to is your website, which is um, www. Uh, C O R B I E. M-I-T-L-E-I-D dot com. Um, and anybody who's looking, that's a great website for great information and great insight. It's, 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 a, it's a great place to go and look for stuff. And then after you've looked at her website, look at mine. But um, because between the two of them, we've got you covered for sure. Um, I just, uh, I can't tell you how excited I am because so many, so often so many people you know, look at a psychic and think that, that we're magical and we're not any more magical than they are. And I think your book brings that out over and over and over again. And I think it's, it's important at this particular point in time that people realize that, that what you and I have done, they too are capable of. And well, one your of the book things really that I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, one of the no, things the that I always tell people. One of the things I always tell people is, I'm not special. You can do what I do. We're all wired like the same house plan. If you learn how to drop the circuit breaker so the information flows, there you go. Yeah, and it sounds easy, <laughs> but but there are thousands of people out there that will say, yeah, right. But I, I think what they don't realize is that, that their intuition and their insight filters stuff to them every day, and they just don't realize that, that you know, that's the talent they're looking for and the gauge that they're looking for. But I, your, your book certainly takes you step by step by step through, if you're going to go to an intuitive, to, to, to how to choose the best one for you. And, and, you know, obviously there's, there's different strokes for different folks, so there will always be different intuitives for different people and, and the pathway that they're on. What are, the, what are some of the right. major – yeah. Nobody is right for everybody. Now, you were saying, what is the major – go ahead, finish. What are the major qualities, you know, if, if I have never had a psychic greeting and I'm green as they come um, – how do I look for the right person, and then how do I, how am I receptive during that reading? How do I, you know, without telling somebody my life story? 
that could take a half an hour right there. But the first thing you need to do is you need to decide what kind of a psychic you want to consult because we're not all the same. We have different talents. We have different abilities. We have different specialties, for instance. If you want someone who does pendulum work, that's that little crystal people hold on a string or a chain that gives you yes, no, I'm not sure, you don't come to me. Why? I have a very slight benign tremor in my hand, just like Katherine Hepburn. So I'm not going to trust what I get with that (laughs) pendulum. On the other hand, you want a past life, baby, I'm your girl. I do past life retrieval. That means you don't have to get hypnotized. You tell me my life challenge is why am I freaked out when I get wet hair in my face, and I'm the one who goes up to the Akashic, pulls a book, opens it up, and said, here, your answer's in Chapter 2. Why is that a specialty for me? Because I'm a trained actress from Brown University. I am a born storyteller, and I love history. So instead of just saying, well, there's this big hat and a long skirt, so you're somewhere old-fashioned, I'm going to be able to look at you and go, that's a hobble skirt. It's a picture hat with that kind of an ostrich feather. I'm looking at you in 1911 or 12. Now, which one's going to give you more information? That's Mm -hmm. your key. So there are some things that are what I call tab A and a slot B solid. Numerology, astrology, those are things that have very precise forms. They're good for um, when do you want to birth a child, where do you want to open your business, things like that. But if you're looking at something that is more fluid, do you want to be an engineer or a political science person or a ballerina, or do you want to date Jim or John or Betsy, then you can go with things like tarot, which will give you all kinds of options. So once you decide what it is you want to learn, then I believe in mnemonics. What's a mnemonic? That's the word made up of letters that stands for things, like PTA stands for Parent Teacher Association. The mnemonic I give you is psychic. Professionalism, sharing references, you were in charge of your own destiny, charges, here I can fix anything for a price, inappropriate actions, and connection. So those are seven keys, and we can go through them as much or as little as you think your listeners would like. But if you can master those, you will be able to go into a psychic and not get taken by what I call the Madam Hoo-Hahs and the Swami Swalandas of the world. Oh, yeah. They're, they're out there. Um, I, I, I worked eight years at a Renaissance festival, and, of course, you know, you're not constantly working, so you get a chance to not eavesdrop but to hear other psychics give readings, and mm-hmm. and uh, I often cringed when I heard somebody say, "Oh, oh my God, look at this! Oh, I'm so sorry, our time is up. Do you want to pay for another reading, and I can get into what I just saw?" I mean, I I heard that more times than than I care to count. Um, there are people that will do that. So let's assume that that someone is walking into a psychic fair of some sort and they've never been to a psychic fair before how do they how do they gauge how do they figure out who they're going to try out how do i mean obviously these are people that are endorsed by whoever's giving the fair so you you assume Hopefully. that they are 
credible, yes. <laughs> I said assume. Um, so how do you scan the field? How do you take a look at everybody, and how do you know who you're going to go to? Well, the first thing you do is you, you know, you're good puppies. You do your walkies, and you walk mm-hmm. around, and then, like good puppies, you also get paper trained. You're going to grab a yeah. rack card or a brochure from anybody that looks interesting. Uh-huh. Um, you'll read it through. There will be three or four that you probably think, yeah, that, that one I might want to talk to. Then go back. If the psychic isn't busy, talk to the psychic. If the psychic is busy, they will probably have a front person. And the front person is the one that will tell you about them and take your money and sign you up. But remember, um, we hire these people to say they love us. Um, yeah. the, the wonderful story I tell is my very first um, front person was a lovely woman named Laura Spickerman. Now, Laura was a great front person, but she was my husband's office manager at his museum Monday through Friday. Do you think she's going to dismiss his museum director? No, I don't think so. So the no. key is to look on the table for our testimonial books. Pretty much all of us have them. In there, you're going to find out, are we good? Are we kind? Do people feel safe with us? Do we have specialties, children, dogs, dead people? And do they come back? But the last thing is, guys, check at your heart level. You are putting your hard-earned money on the table. If the psychic doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head, they really give a damn about what they're doing, or they're going to give you good information, don't go there no matter how cool the wiki-woo looks on the table. And if nobody there (laughs) rings your chimes, leave without a reading. Don't be somebody else at another time. Swear to God, that's not your only shot. Yeah. That's, I think, and one of the things I tell people also is look for – Look for those that look happy, and they're professional. They look professional. They don't look like they rolled out of bed and slept in their clothes. Um, oh my God! Thank it, you. It, thank you. <laughs> you, 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 and I both know we have seen the puffy T-shirts, you know, and the sweatshirts and the and the stuff. Now, you have to look like you have money to make money. That's just classic business. When I go to a fair. You will, if you know me, you'll always recognize me. God bless Chico's fabulous, fabulous clothing line. I'm always in my black pants and a black tank top and a really good-looking jacket over it, velvet uh-huh. in the wintertime, um, gauze chiffon in the summer. And I also yeah. tell my front person, you have to dress up as well. Now, if you're uh-huh. looking around and you find people in sequins and turbans and, you know, rock t-shirts and things and then you see me you're going to say she must really know her stuff she's serious Uh it's simply a matter of respect for my own work and for you the client yeah that's that's uh that's one of the things that i you know when i i mean i i totally always recommend other people if somebody asks me because i i know a lot of really really good psychics and, you know, they don't have to come to me. They can go to somebody else. And I would rather they went to someone that I recommended than than go to someone who, um, you know, was a gypsy. I, I have a uh, – I, I wouldn't call her a front woman, 
but she she fronted for me at the Renaissance Festival. Um, she's more like a surrogate daughter. But um, mm-hmm. even though she was studying with me and she knew what I did and she could explain everything, she also, for the for the heck of it, and, and you never go to a reader for the heck of it. You just never do that. Um, she went to someone who told her she had to bury $500 in a glass jar and where to bury it, and she did. And I looked at her and I said, go get it. And she came back and said, it's gone. And I said, well, I'm sure the curse is probably still on you. And she said, well, you think it's still on you? I said, it's the curse of stupidity. Yes, it's still there. Um, She lost $500 because this woman guaranteed her she could make her love life better if she buried the $500 by the graveyard. No. And and, um, and those, those people are out there. So, um, sure. That's anytime, why I wrote any, this book. Oh yeah, I mean, I I know people that have offered to kill chickens for people to remove things, and I mean, they're they are out there. And actually, today, because psychics are so much more accepted than they ever have been before, um, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, or, or Judy, Jane, and Jessica are are out there being psychic and giving readings and. But I think one of the things that, that, that to me is most important, um, today everybody realizes they're on it, or most people, 99%, realize they're on a spiritual journey. So, you know, you, you have, they have a certain amount of, of know it, they, they know a certain amount of material, and, and they know kind of what they're looking for, and they know the buzzwords, and you know, it's it's sort of like you don't turn up at a table and say, I'm psychic too, and, you know, yes, of course you are. Um, but but there are there are people out there that will stroke stroke you like crazy and blow sunshine up your skirt and milk you for all you're worth. So um, mm-hmm. my other favorite story is a lady who came to me and her she was hysterical. She was so upset that her aura was torn and the psychic that usually sewed it up for her was out of town and she couldn't get a hold of her. Could I sew it up? And I said, how much does she charge you to sew up your aura? And she said, $500. And I said, uh. I said, well, I could fix it, but, but, <laughs> and she said, I don't care whatever it costs, please sew it up. I'm so frightened, and, you know, a demon's going to get in. And I, I looked at her and I said, well, close your eyes. And she closed her eyes and I waited a few minutes and I said, okay, it's fixed now. This is a permanent fix. It can never tear again. It's against the cosmic rules for it to ever tear again. <laughs> And and Excellent. you have to, yeah. And I said you, you you don't need to come back to me. You don't need to go anywhere else. I mean, you may have something else wrong with you somewhere, but but your your aura will never tear again. And she said, "How much are you going to charge?" I said, "Oh, it's a spiritual gift, and I can't charge for something like that." So you know, she she kept her money. But but there are people out there that will take people for a ride, and that's not a good thing. Um, your book is is so full of really good information and and at the same time it it has suggestions on how to um how to develop the talent within yourself and I think that was a very important part of your book and I'm so glad you put it in there. 
I did put it in, but I put it in at the end because there are so many really wonderful books about how to develop in psychic development. Um, the couple that I suggest to people, one of them is, of course, Ted Andrews, old line name, Psychic Protection. And the book that mm-hmm. I learned to talk to dead people with was Opening to Channel by Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packer, 30 years old, still good. Um, a new one that I've just found is called Teen Psychic because I now mm-hmm. have a 12-year-old student who is uh, the daughter of a friend and basically one of those nieces by affection, and I'm getting her started right. So, like I say, there are lots of other good ones out there, but everybody needs to know three basics, grounding, centering, and shielding. That's mm-hmm. just boot camp. Well, you, you talk so much about, um, in in the book, how, how this really is, and, and I agree with you, this is a talent and a gift that everyone has, that everyone can develop if they choose to work at it. And the the centering and the grounding and the protection are, are absolutes. I mean, um, they're, they're it, it's, a long time ago, and I think I started a little bit before you, but not much. And I remember um, when I was I was in a class for spiritual development, not not to be a psychic, but to be to, to learn about spirituality. And mm-hmm. I found that being on that road automatically opens you up to the intuitive and, and the sensitivity. And, and the more sensitive you become to yourself, the more sensitive you become, you know, to other people. It, it's, it's kind of, um, it happens. It, it just happens when you're on the right trail, on the right pathway, on the right road, whatever you want to call it. And, and it's just, it, it, took, it took them almost seven years to convince me that I actually, you know, was able to share some of my gifts with other people and that had never been my intention and so it it, it kind of and it, it feels as though in some ways you had the same experience where you were suddenly you know you knew you had a gift but you you weren't going to do much with it and then and then there was something that happened and that you felt compelled you want to share that experience sure well, I have to go, you know, it started when I was a child. When I was nine, <laughs> I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of uh-huh. thinking, ooh, that's scary or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic yeah. in the world and I wanted to go find it. Fast uh-huh. forward to 1973, I was a senior in high school working at Spencer Gibbs. And they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck. I mean, we were all hippies then. You had your elephant bells and your fringe jacket and your cards. So I bought the cards. Yeah. Five years later, everybody else was on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading because the cards were gorgeous, and I found the process fascinating. So for 20 years, read for friends, always making Uh sure I keep my ego out of the way. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when Spirit said, hello, here's your draft notice, greetings, you're working for us. So I did it part-time while I was still a legal secretary, an executive recruiter, a video producer, whatever it took. But 9-11, as I watched the towers burn, I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do this work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. And he just smiled at me and said, I believe in you. Go do it. 
So for a year, I worked evenings and weekends anywhere I could to make sure that I could make a living at it. Meanwhile, during the day, working for an executive recruiting company where the boss threw files at my head if she didn't like what I told her. A year later, I knew I could make a living at it and basically walked in, figuratively peed on her desk and left, and I never looked back. I just said figuratively. (laughs) Yes, Um, I did say figuratively. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think that, to my mind, there are some who are called. And it it doesn't mean that other people can't do, do this work because they certainly can, but every now and then, and and it's it's mostly, pardon the expression, the older psychics that can tell you exactly when things shifted for them and when they had to do this. They they just had to. It was the direction that they knew they were going in. It's just like, you know, you play with a piano and suddenly you realize you're, con- you know, composing concertos and it's like, gee, maybe I should do this. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost as though the universe manipulates you to a direction, you know, but you've already done the work to get there. You know, it doesn't, in my experience, I, it's very rare that I find somebody that, you know, feels like there was an explosion of light and they were they were suddenly... Um, full of all the wisdom in the world and could share it with, with other And I've never met anybody like that, to be honest with you. Um, this field is, while it is an amazing journey, it's a lot of work. And I think people look at us and think, well, it's so easy. They just flip cards and they tell you stuff. How hard can that be? And mm-hmm. it's not hard if, yeah. if you've done the work, you know. Um it's, it's, you know, the truth is maybe we don't even need the cards, to be honest, but, you know, they do help. But but it's sort of like I don't think people realize that, that there is a lifetime of work that has gone to get you to that point where you are sharing yourself with other people. And I think one of the hardest lessons is how to put the ego aside and say, you know, go to a movie, have lunch, just leave me alone for a while so I can connect to source. And Otherwise, that, we're going to burn out. Yeah. It, that's, oh. And I think that that's, that's a real good way to, in, in some ways, gauge the quality of a psychic. If you see them after sitting and reading for 12 hours and they're still charged, you know that they must be getting their energy from somewhere else. But if they're dragging out and looking for coffee... Quite, quite, quite possibly they were they were not they were not channeling universal energy. They were using physical energy, and when you're using physical energy, you're more grounded and you're con- connected to the earth plane. Well, when you're I would agree with that mostly. I would agree with that uh-huh. mostly. It depends on. Uh, it's like when I would do four day shows in Canada. In four day shows, which were a total of thirty six hours. I would read 60 to 70 people and do two lectures. I was on a mm-hmm. reader's high while I was there. But the minute yeah. I walked out the door, yeah, put me in a body bag and get me back to the Airbnb. Um, Actually, yeah. Because I was so – what people don't understand about us is we are so focused on you, our client. Our ego is put aside. Everything is concentrated on you. But when you get up 
and then someone sits down right away, I have to learn to do a core dump. And I will uh-huh. add three minutes later, I will not remember what I said to you because I took my brains at your sketch, turned it upside down and shook it. <laughs> so now I can be absolutely there for this next person. Yeah. And that is the tiring part. You know, you can have a car with a fabulous motor and it just takes the curves, but you have to remember to change the oil and do the timing belt. That's us. Feed us. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's absolutely true. And, you know, it's, it's, I have found over time that, that those, those moments when, um, I, I try never to work if I'm not feeling well. If I can't give you 100%, I'm not going to do the reading. That's all there is to it. Um, you get either 100% or nothing, and, and trust me, the, the nothing is, is better than me trying to, to do something that I'm not really prepared to do. Um, but but it's, it's sort of like um, it, it's, you get into a flow that is so energizing when you're doing this work that – that you, I, I get well at the end of a two-hour show. I'm charged. I'm on the ceiling. I it takes me a couple of hours to come back down to be able to go to sleep. So one would wonder why don't I schedule these shows for the daytime? And that's a very good question. And I've been doing it for so long. I don't know why. It's just habit. But um, but I'm clearer at night, which is which is what I prefer anyhow. But this this field. I think the one thing that I that I really want people to understand is that no matter how old you are, you can you can develop these talents, these skills. You you know you you can find things that really resonate to you, and and they don't have to be traditional forms either. You can you can create your own that that will give you the information you're looking for and. To, to get that information for yourself, from yourself, because you're going to be talking to your own higher consciousness, your own spirit within, and then whatever whatever energies or spirits are out there that you can connect to um, that, that will help to guide you. So that it's to be, your, I, I, I really feel in many ways we are our own master guide and Getting that roadmap and finding that that way to connect to that part of ourselves is is a wonderful journey, and everybody gets there in a different way. You know, it's, as many people are out there listening, that's as many different journeys as there are. But um, you know, and I, I I'm I'm not going to put us out of business by saying all of this, but but quite often. People will come, and I think it's more so the case now than ever before that they're looking for more spiritual information than they are psychic information. You want to speak to that? Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody gets a spiritual awakening offered to them at least once in their life. And when that spiritual awakening happens, the world will shift. Frankly, some of the things you come to a psychic about will no longer be as important because you're starting to look at the deeper meaning of things. You're beginning to realize you are not just this body walking around. I always tell people, think about Men in Black, the first movie, when they flipped open that guy's face and there was a little alien inside working all all the levers. That's who you Uh really are. That's your soul. That's your higher self. This body is just the little robot that you're making work this incarnation. And 
the more spiritual work you can do for yourself, the less trouble you're going to get into. And when I say trouble, I don't mean, you know, burglary. I mean the wrong relationship, beating yourself up, addictions. Because spiritual awakening reminds you what a grand and glorious being you really are, how much you deserve love and forgiveness and cherishing. And it must start with you first. You know, there's, uh-huh. there's the old self-help thing. Well, if you don't love yourself, no one else will love you. No, if you don't love yourself, when other people try to love you, you will never believe it. And if you don't believe that you deserve to be loved, why will they? They won't. So when you learn to love yeah. yourself and cherish the spiritual being you are, you become that beautiful, bright candle and the moths, the people, come to you that you need. Yeah, I've often found that I learn in many in many ways. I learn from every person I read. And, and you know, if I share some wisdom of mine with them, and that the, every reading is really a balance, at least for me, where, where there's mm-hmm. something in that experience or there's a reason they've been drawn to me because something in their life is resonating to something in my love, and that that gives me a thread to to you know talk about, expand on, and help to explain to them and maybe myself um, just exactly uh, you know what's going on. I I have found that this work is um, is very exciting, and I think that, that in the last half century. <laughs> Um, I have learned so much that, that, you know, it doesn't matter that I've got two master's degrees and all of the other stuff I've got. What I've learned from the people that I have come in contact with has been priceless. It's, it's been, you know, those it, hallmark moments all over the place. And mm-hmm. um, an adventure for sure. And, you know, when you, when you have made this kind of a choice, and I, think, I do believe we make it on the other side before we get here. I do believe that there is um, a soul plan that we that we write up that that you know on top of everything else you're going to do you're going to open yourself and cross that bridge to understanding and be able to share it with others in whatever way is most appropriate to you. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, what I tell people is nobody gets out of here without teaching at least one person. That's part of the contract. And as far as your soul plan, you know, what Rob Robert Schwartz calls your pre-birth planning, yes, you certainly choose your life challenge, but there are also other things that you choose. Think of it like college. When you decide, I am going to be learning how to be a generous person in this life, you know, maybe you were very greedy in other ones, and you want to be able uh-huh. to give in this one, that's your major and you can set up your life so that from childhood you feel this wonderful feeling of wanting to give, and so it's just it's a smooth road. That's what I call gut course. Or uh-huh. you can go through your life being you know, drug addicted and constantly looking at yourself until something huge happens that wakes you up to what you're meant to do. That's double major plus lab. And looking at exactly that, being a generous person, the gut course that was um i believe the kid's name is maddie stepanik 
who died very young but was one of the most giving and generous kids you ever want to know and changed lives. Who's the double major plus lab? Elton John. Because for years he was a drug addict and, and uh, an alcoholic and so many awful things until, boom, AIDS came along. He met Ryan White. He realized my life must change. And now he has the Elton John AIDS Foundation. He's given a half a billion dollars for AIDS research. He you know, was given the Kennedy Center honors. He is someone fulfilling that I must live my life out of generosity, but after a lot of detours. See that difference? Yeah, well, you know, so many people, I mean, we're here to have challenges. That's where we learn. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so many people, you know, they say, why is life so hard? Why am I struggling so hard? Why aren't things working out? And, you know, it, it, it's sort of like, well, well, these are things that you signed up for. These are, chi- you know, challenges that you asked for. And, and, you know, they give you a look like, you know, I wouldn't have signed up for that. And I said, no, I'm sure you you signed up for something like I want to expand my heart, whatever, or something like that. But this is how it happens. And and so how how do you respond to somebody like that when when it's so obvious that that these are the challenges that will help them to grow, that will help them to move into a better place? And how do you explain it to them? It is sometimes difficult, but I'll very often drop back to sharing my own story with, you know, uh, my, my three cancer dances, but I will help them look at what they've got. I'll always ask three questions. What are you unhappy about? Whether it's unhappy or mad or whatever, why are you unhappy or mad or whatever about that? And then the kicker, what do you think would happen if you stopped being mad or upset or whatever about that? That knocks them back because it didn't occur to them that they can step away from the squirrel cage of pain, and it's not fair. And they can change in the moment. When I explained to them the fact that I you know, married three times, when I finally got the right guy, we had a year and a half of normal marriage, when all of a sudden I was told I had my third bed of breast cancer, second primary, but they were going to do a double mastectomy. They were going to take the ovaries out so that I wouldn't have hormone problems. And I was going to go from a literal Dolly Parton figure to a fire plug with lots of side effects permanently, and I had no choice. Uh-huh. And that's when, was it unfair, whatever? I did my work on it. I figured out why. But what I did at first to just get through that was I asked myself those questions. What am I unhappy about? Why am I unhappy about it? What do I think would happen if I stopped being unhappy about it? And I found three reasons to be okay with it. Number one, you don't have them, you can't get cancer there. That's a good thing. Yeah. Number two, top half was not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year, and every woman listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Third, yeah. implants, I'll be perky till I'm 93. This is cool. Now, yeah. Because of that, I am not someone who constantly identifies myself as a cancer victim or a cancer survivor. Instead, I said I was a cancer dancer, learned how to 
how graceful I could be under pressure, avoided getting my toes stepped on, got off the dance floor in one piece. And I turn around to other women who have cancer and say, look at it this way. You can change things. Doesn't guarantee they're going to get out of it. We always get a healing. We don't always get a cure. But it gives them the strength and the good humor to fight better. And, you know, that's going to up their immune system right there. So when you have a very tough life, realize you are being given some amazing tools to teach with if you get out of your own way. Uh Yeah, that's, that's, I think, one of the first things I say to to people is sort of like, how ambitious you are this lifetime. You must have an amazing spirit to have signed on for all of this, knowing that you're capable of getting through it. And, you know, it, it takes them back. And, you know, it's uh, one lady leaned over the table and said, what do you mean, amazing spirit? And I said, you chose these challenges. So, so clearly you were given the tools to get through them. And so you must be a pretty advanced spirit. And she sat back and said, okay, if I'm that powerful, then <clears throat> what do I do? And I said, well, it's your journey. But but I do suggest you take a look at stuff and see what it is it's teaching you and embrace it. And 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 what it's teaching you is not a negative, it's a positive. And, you know, there are times when you can look at a, a situation and know that there's a positive in it and not be able to see it initially. And, and those, those are difficult times. <laughs> but But you learn so much from them. And I think you that, have that, to. You know, that's what you're here to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the the cool things that I've seen um, with people that are uh, near death or you know who've had near death experiences. I almost all of them come back with a feeling of love for humanity that they didn't have, or an awareness that there was definitely something beyond this plane, and that that. We had we could share light and laughter with this plane, and, and grow and help other people. So um, I think it's it's a it's an amazing time in in history because even science is beginning to understand that that the spiritual has a has a, a definite connection to it, and that when the two work together, mag- real magic can happen. But. Um, Getting getting back to the individuals here that that are out there listening, and I know I know there are a lot of them there. Um, how what do you say to people that? Okay, so so they there are a lot of them called in to get readings tonight, not knowing that we weren't doing readings, and it's sort of like if you have a question, how do you how do you sit back? How do you how do you answer, how do you get to the point where you can answer your own questions? You have to let go of the answer because if it's like going to a million psychics because you want to know that Bruce loves you. And, you know, anybody out there who is a psychic, they trust me, they have heard this conversation. Does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? He's not. Well, if he's not going to call soon, is he going to call later? You guys beat on us until you are getting us to say, yes, yes, he loves you and he wants to have seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. 
Don't do that. <laughs> you are wasting your money and you're wasting our time. You really are. Yeah. Uh, Understand my... that that's not what spirit is interested in. Spirit is not going to say buy the red car instead of the blue car. Unless yeah. the red car has a brakes problem and the blue car is fine. The answers are what's good for my life. That's mm. where you go. I think uh, my favorite story about it, that is I was at the Renaissance and, and a woman came in and and um, sat down and said to me, I, I want the positive and the negative. And I, I did a reading for her and she seemed fine. I didn't see any major problems, you know, maybe some challenges, but not horrible stuff. And when I finished, I said, um, any questions? That's how, I, that's how I end all my readings, you know. And she said, well, what's the negative? And I said, I didn't see any, anything particularly negative here. She wouldn't leave the booth. Twenty minutes later, she was still insisting that I had to tell her what the negative stuff was or she wasn't leaving. And I, I finally said to her, okay. There is one major negative here. And she sat back very pleased with herself, and she said, what is it? I said, I don't understand it, but you seem to need to have a negative in your life in order to live. And she mm-hmm. just looked at me, and she said, what? I said, you aren't happy unless you have a negative to deal with. That's a negative. She did leave, but she wasn't real happy. See, the way I explain that to people, because I get the opposite. Don't tell me any of the bad stuff. And I just look at them and I say, no, no, no. Here's how it goes. Here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. And that sometimes wakes them up that things are not necessarily black and white. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I I think the, the concept of a toolbox is a really good one. And um, I, I think in, in your book, you know, or, or earlier, you, you, you mentioned that, um, you know, you don't have to be a master of everything. You know, if you find one or two modalities that really work for you, that's terrific. But I would certainly, I would certainly look into a lot of the other modalities that are out there just so you have an idea of, of what it is. And by a modality... I mean pendulums, dowsing, scrying, tarot, um, angel channeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all of the above, and and you will you will absolutely find, you know, several different aspects that that you know you're really pretty good at, and and use them. But the, the first person you use them on and for is yourself. And, and if, if you want to get confirmation, that's what friends are for. I have friends that are fabulous guinea pigs. And every time I find something new that I want to play with, I call up a couple of them and ask them if they want to come and be a guinea pig. And and usually they help me to develop whatever it is that, that I'm playing with that would be kind of fun. And um, this work is, it's work, but it's, fun and it's challenging and it's 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 expanding and you know your creativity comes in here to play and i think i think it's really important that everybody understand that it's okay to develop your own personal method whether you're going to read the crumbs on the plate after dinner 
or or have people bring in um, two or three leaves and do the reading from the leaves. I mean, you can get information from anything. Basically, what you're doing is you're drawing energy from something to give insight to yourself. And and so so don't feel that you have to stick by what is you know traditional. Be untraditional, and and that's exciting too. I. I don't want to steer people away from getting psych, going to psychic readings because it's a great place to get confirmation. And, you know, especially if you're trying to interpret a dream or if you, you know, have come up against a brick wall and you don't know why. I mean, readings can be very, very helpful, you know, to, to give you greater insight into where you're going. But, but it's not up to uh, an intuitive or a psychic, or a channel, or a medium to tell you how to live your life. That's that's something for you to figure out. That's right. We can hand you the toolbox, my darlings, but we are not your repairman. That is you. No. <laughs> so, so you've been doing this for a very, very long period of time. I, I do notice, did notice that you were also um, ordained in the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Where, where I'm ordained as well, um, and and uh, I'm I'm not sure what your process was because I don't know when I saw him it was a gazillion years ago, but he's still going around this country doing workshops and and ordinations. Um, Dan Chesbro. Yep. Yeah. Cool man. Very cool man. Wonderful guy. Um, very unique. His story is 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 profound, and um, I know that when it came to the time in the workshop that I was in, that that he was going to do the ordination. Um, this is I never I've never compared notes with anybody that's had it done before. So let me compare notes. Um, he left the room and changed his clothes and came back in. And, you know, to do the ordination. And I watched a number of people, you know, as they went forward and sat in the chair and he put his hand on their heads. And I thought, well, this is cute. You know, I, I loved the workshop. I loved his material. I thought this was this was a little bit too dramatic and a little whatever. And then it was my turn to sit in the chair. And, and I had chills that ran through my body. I have never felt energy like that before in my life, and um, which 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 is a good you know example of don't don't judge before you've experienced something. <laughs> mm. So so did, was that the kind of ordination you had, or or was that was it something different with the group you were with? No, it the the form that you described is the same. With me, just it's all the all the noise in the room went away, as as mm-hmm. the way you mute something, and it was very clear that for me, um, Archangel Michael was in front of me, handing me my marching orders. So wow. it was not, you know, wow chills. It's, you know, I've lived an awful lot of lives as a soldier. And two two lives ago is the one I remember most when I was a pilot in World War One, and so I think that spirit knew that if I saw it as taking the oath to defend and protect, I was going to take it very seriously, and that's why it showed up for me as Archangel Michael saying, "Okay, you got your uniform, you got your pips, now let's go." Yeah, 
and and then it's a matter of okay, how do I do this? And and it, I, I think that when when you have made a commitment to have this kind of a life, that things mm-hmm. do kind of open up for you in ways that are totally unexpected. It, it's and, and and I think something that 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 everybody should realize that it it isn't made easier by by walking this pathway. Um, in some ways, sometimes it's tougher. I, I will I will admit that it is a, a joyful journey. That every now and then, um, especially when I decide to steer and get into trouble, um, I, I truly can hear laughter as I am going off track for just a while. Um, but but all in all, it's it's a journey that you never feel alone on. But but people. Sometimes um, sometimes everybody wants a piece of you, and you have to have some quiet and some seclusion in order to get it. But it's, it's definitely a field that if you are called to it and you're going to do the work yourself, it's, it's an amazing field to be in and a part of. And, and you, you touch literally millions of people, whether it's on you a radio can. show or – Oh, yeah. Um, I know that, that at one point – my my last husband and I tried to figure out how many people I had read over the years, and it was a staggering number of people. And um, it, it 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 you step back and you think, holy cow, that I've touched all those people. Something I have said, I, I planted seeds in all of those people, and 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 and. As far as I can figure out, they were all positive seeds that, that you know will grow when appropriate, which is a very exciting thing. And I, I, you've got to feel the same way. I mean, you're still reading tons and tons of people. Yeah, about twelve hundred a year. Um, I'm a hedge priest. Hedge priest is somebody who uh, walks the roads, doesn't have their own church, but uh-huh. blesses, heals confesses, does what's needed as it as it's needed. I mean, one of the reasons that I became an ordained minister, two reasons. Number one, I was doing a lot of reading in the South, and there were still a lot of people that would come barging into psychic bears and go, we're going to arrest you all, you're fortune-telling, and that's against the law. And I could say, no, I'm a reverend, it's pastoral counseling, and I'd be left alone. Yep. Oh, okay, sorry, Rev. And the other thing is this is before same-gender marriage was the law of the land and if i had a couple of friends who batted for the same team and they wanted sacred ceremony by god i was going to do it mm-hmm. and from there i found more and more that the calling of being a priest was something that enabled me to help channel healing and i'm not just talking about hands-on healing but healing of the heart healing of the mind Better than I could before I had taken the oath. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's awesome. It really is. Uh, I, I think people don't understand when you find a practitioner who is seriously involved in continuing to grow. I mean, uh, in lots of psychic fairs, there are some who are psychic and have no background and that you know there there's no training there's no there there's no 
um, understanding of the process and of the spiritual development, all of that. And they're very happy to be just psychics. And and with with uh, I've I've gone away from the term psychic because it puts me in a category, and I don't want to be pigeonholed. So I'm a spiritual empath for now, and Lord knows what I'll be next week. But it's it's you know being psychic is one of the tools in your toolbox for spiritual development, and it's a great tool. But it's not mm-hmm. for me. It's not the end game. And I think that the in my mind, if I was going to recommend someone to somebody, I would I would look for someone who was on that spiritual journey and and you know certainly had the gift. Of, of channeling or or being psychic or or a medium or whatever, but but at the same time we're continuing to grow beyond the label. Yes. And now those are the people. Yeah, those are the people. I go ahead. I want to ask you something, especially because you're talking about recommending people. Um, uh-huh. Uh My thing is, if I haven't had a reading from them. Mm-hmm. I won't recommend them. I'll say other people say she's good. But yeah. if I'm recommending one of my clients to someone, I have to know they're genuine, that they care about what they're doing. They're not a Madam Hoo-Ha or a Swami Swalanda. Are you the same way? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, I'll just say, you know, I'll just say she's a very nice person, but I've never had a reading with her, so I can't tell you how good she is or what, you know. I mean, I will I'm very upfront about that. I I just and when I did the fairs, I really never traded readings. I just I just I would always read the other readers if they wanted a reading. I had no problem with that. But um and it it wasn't being a snob. It was basically I don't want you feeling fooling around with my energetic field while we're doing here readings for other people. And uh, I, I think occasionally, occasionally do a trade if there's someone I've uh-huh. heard a lot about and I want to see what they do. Yeah. Unfortunately, there there is one woman who was supposed to be a good channel, but she sits down, she takes my hands, she closes her eyes, and she goes, you're so lonely. There's nobody in your life that's special. I'm wearing my wedding ring, woman. Hello? <laughs> And, you know, she was one of the ones that had cancers for love. Uh-huh. Wrong answer. Obviously, I didn't yeah. recommend her. She has passed now, so may she come back a little straighter. That's all I'll say. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, it, it is, uh, I always, I feel strongly that, that I should be able to figure my way out of every box I put myself in. And there are those times when I get so frustrated, I have to, I, I, I do go looking for another opinion. And you know, it, it's usually someone that I have, that I have read, that has read me, that I have felt, you know, was was um, a good, valid, solid person. I think um, when I was doing the Renaissance Festival, I went to one of the other readers at one time, and she sat with me. She used cards and. We went over a number of things, and I asked her a question, and she stared at the cards for quite a while, and she looked at me, and she said, I just don't know. And let me tell you, my respect for her just went sky high. When when you can honestly say, I just I don't know, There's, I don't have an answer for you. Um, 
that to me says you, you're not going to BS me. You're 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 telling me that that you know you can't see, you can't see an answer or there isn't an answer yet. So you know I was so impressed with her. Never went back. And but sometimes I was so... we just don't connect. And it doesn't mean we're a bad reader or you're a bad person. You know, it just – the radios are not meshing. We can't tune into the station. So right. if a psychic says to you, I'm really sorry, I I'm, can't get anything from you, I can't read you, don't be offended. Make sure you get your money back, thank you very much. And maybe they'll suggest somebody else to you. But, yeah, you know – the only person I who's think, 100% accurate is God, and he doesn't do psychic fairs. Trust me on that one. No. <laughs> but that, that's true. And I think there was one other thing in your book that I, I, I highlighted all over the place, and, and that was if you're sitting in a reading and you really don't, can't relate and you're not connect, you don't feel connected, it's perfectly all right within the first five to ten minutes to get up and say, look, you're just not connecting to me. I think I'm going to try somebody else. Yes. Um, one of the things, though, I mean, but it's, it, you know, if they get all the factual stuff wrong, the example uh-huh. I use when I lecture is if you're postmenopausal and the psychic says of your four children, it's your youngest who's going to take care of you in old age, and you're childless, she's not connecting. But just no. because I give you a past life that you've never heard of or a spirit guide you haven't met doesn't mean I'm wrong. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's the factual stuff. But the other thing is, guys, be kind to us. Don't have a half an hour reading with us, and then at the end of the reading look at me and say, you didn't get anything right. I want my money back. That's like going in to see all seven Harry Potter movies and then saying, I don't believe in Dementors. Where's my money? <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> no, there are people that do do that. Um I I I always felt you know I could feel if somebody wasn't resonating I I would I would say you know if if you can't connect to any of this then I'm just not the right person for you today um you know here's your ticket back uh go ask for a different reader and and um it w- it was ama- they would they would you know look at me in amazement but but I I I'm I'm fine with that. If if I can't help you, that doesn't mean you can't be helped. It just means that whatever you're going through at that particular point in time is something that I'm not connecting with. So here, you know, try somebody else. Um, you are not paying my rent, you do it, so it's okay. You do it for second opinions for doctors, don't you? So, oh, yeah. Same thing for us. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know... It doesn't matter how many years or whatever, you know, we nobody knows everything. And and while there especially if someone is channeling for you, I mean, that's wonderful wisdom you're getting and it may not apply at that second, but if the if the person who is doing the channeling for you is giving you information, for heaven's sake, give it 6 months. Because um mm-hmm. you, you just never know when something is 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 going to kind of converge. I, one of my favorite, favorite stories, um, my best friend um, had a son who was in college, and I, I read for him on a regular basis. And at one point I was reading for him, and I said, Not John, this was in November. I said, I don't understand this, and it's going to sound really weird, 
but in in May I see you standing on the Great Wall of China, and you know he came back with uh, Miss Barbara. Have you had your medicine today? And it was like I understand it looks weird, but I can't get that. Sometimes you can't get something out of your head unless you say it and get it out, and then you can go on. And I said, I just see this, John, and it's clear as day, and I believe it's going to happen. And he said, okay, and we went on. And um, in the beginning of May, he came home from school and he said to his mom, you know, he was almost done with one of his courses, and he said, you know, I don't have to take a final in this class. In this class. And she said, Why? And he said, well, I can either do a, do a paper or I can go on the field trip. And she said, well, I'd go on the field trip. And John said, yeah, I, I'd like to. And she said, where is it to? And he said, China. <laughs> and in May, he sent me a postcard from the Great Wall of China. <laughs> well, I've got a story like that that is, is actually funny. Uh, I was reading for a woman in Kitchener, Ontario, and there were some challenging things that I told her. And she gets up from my table and she looks at me and says, you suck. And she walks away. <laughs> well, okay, fine. Now, that was Labor Day. I'm back in January. Who's the first person in my chair? Yeah. And she says, last time I said you sucked, I said, yes, I remember. She said, because you told me that I was going to want to take in a border and then I was going to want to sell my house. And I thought that was all bull, but... Then my daughter moved home because she was pregnant, and now I'm going to sell the house because I need to raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you see. Don't shoot the <laughs> messenger, woman. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, those are two really good examples of um, if, if, whoever, if, if the intuitive who is reading for you gives you something that sounds like it's just really clear off the wall, and if it comes out of nowhere um, – I, I, I highly recommend that, that when anybody gets a, a reading that they journal it down, that they write it down, that they, you know, star the pertinent points because quite often the things that, that don't seem to fit end up being the most accurate. And and by writing down something that, that comes through in a reading, you basically sort of cement it in time. And, and you know, it, it's – and we're not talking – no, no intuitive should ever talk about death, in my opinion. Should never, you know, try to tell somebody when their husband is going to die or anything like that. That's that's just wrong. That's up to God. Well, and for one thing, we we don't have just one place to leave. We have four or five, depending yeah. on what our soul chooses. And well, if, yeah, if and you put in somebody's point. head that he'll die by fifty, you know, that starts to build the thought forms. Oh, yeah. No, I, I did a, an exchange with somebody a long time ago before I, had the, before I knew better. Um, and I read him, and then he was an astrologer, and he sat there and he said, well, you're going to die in six months, and we're going to miss you. And I looked at him and I said, well, um, can't that be interpreted in another way? Can't a dream die? Can't a career die? Can't, you know, there's lots of ways to die without actually physically leaving the earth plane. And he said, no, you're going to die of a heart attack. And, you know, we're really going to miss you. Now, I knew that that was not true. But I spent six months going to doctors all over the place 
and and at the end of the six months, I did have some minor surgery that was done, but you know, and that that was like thirty years ago, and I'm still here. So it taught me a lesson as far as you know, you don't make declarations that are absolute, among other things, and and you just that's not a place where we're, you know, we don't have a direct, we have a direct. Our heart has a direct link to the creator, not necessarily our mind. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. and so it's it's just so inappropriate to even entertain, you know, you know, somebody's going to pass away or you're going to die or your husband's going to die. I think that's awful and I've had people sit down and say, "My husband's really sick. When's he going to croak?" And and the answer is always when it's ready, when it's his time, you know, when his contract is up, when he's finished what he's here to do. Um, you can't can't put a date on that. You can't, you know, while cosmically there is a schedule, um, it, to, in my opinion, we don't know exactly what it is. Well, so, when someone so t- says to me, you know, is you know, can you tell me when my father's going to die? I look at them and I say, in several states, that's illegal because it is. Oh. And the other, I just say to them, why do you need to know? And they flump around, and generally the answer is not good. And so I just look at them and say, this I will tell you. Every time you see your father, when you leave, make sure everything is said between you. So that when you uh-huh. get that call, there are no times of grief. Yeah, and That's a good way to you know because, uh huh. I mean, I I, I kind of read them the riot act, and of course, then there's the woman who, when I wouldn't tell her where her husband was sleeping with his mistresses, I'm sorry, I don't do remote spying. She says, "Oh, well, is he sick? Is he going to die soon? Am I going to get his money?" And I turned to Laura, yeah. my friend. I said, "Laura." I'm not connecting with Mrs. Cooperson. Would you please give her her money back? And I didn't tell her who to go see. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. There, there are, um, there are very genuine seekers out there who go to intuitives, and and they really are looking for understanding and wisdom and guidance. There, and I love those people. I love them to death. And then there are what I call the reader runners, who you know. Mm-hmm. At psychic pairs, get six or eight different readings, and don't take in anything that's said to them, unless, of course, it's what they want to hear. And and mm-hmm. you know those people, you know, are what keep psychic pairs alive and well, I guess. But um, I love the sincere searchers. I love the people who are really looking for a little bit of guidance along their pathway, or or confirmation that they haven't wandered off the pathway. And, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of easy, you know. It's sort of like, well, is your life joyful and are things falling into place for you? And usually the answer is yes. And I go, then you're on your pathway. Because trust me, things would not be falling into place if you had, you know, wandered into the briar patch. So, uh, so trust how you feel. And if something is missing, sit back, give yourself time, and see if you can find what it is. And I guarantee it's not going to be the obtaining of something physical is going to be something of a more spiritual nature. Whether it's insight, whether it's, you know, astral traveling or, or whatever. I ask them one question. 
I say, do you have to get up in the morning or do you get to get up in the morning? Hear the difference in that one word. And when they say, oh, I have to get up, then we can show them where they're stopping themselves. I get to get up in the morning. That means they're ready to rock and roll. They are open to what spirit is sending. And, you know, it's like the little kid who says, thank you for the present. You're going to give the kid more presents. The one who just says, Uh well, I didn't like that one. Why bother? (laughs) Universe is a short order cook with no imagination. You say, I'm ready for the good stuff. Universe says, got it. I have the order. Uh That's very, very true. And I think that especially when people are looking and seeking a relationship, for instance, um, yeah. I, I have I have found that, um, gosh, years ago I, I was I stood in my garden outside and I hadn't been in a relationship for like thirteen fourteen years and I looked around my garden and I just you know said to the universe, you know if this is it for the rest of my life, I am so content I am so blissful, I, you know. If you want to send a relationship, go ahead. But it better be spectacular because I'm not going to be bothered with something that isn't the right thing. And mm-hmm. it was maybe three months later that, that I met my uh, third husband, and it was perfect. But I wasn't looking. I basically said, I'm not going to look. I'm going to, he'll have to find me on my radio show, you know, when I'm sitting in the basement with my jammies on. And he... He he looked at the title of one of the shows I was doing, and he sat in the chat room, and he came on, and he talked because he was an expert in UFOs. And mm-hmm. within a year, he had moved in here, and we'd gotten married. And he was in California, and I was here in Connecticut. So when it's trust meant, me, when it's I, meant. Yeah, when when it's meant to be, it bees. <laughs> so. You know, it, and I was in my 60s when that happened. It's not like, you know, it was, it was you know, the blush was on the rose. The blush had long gone. But, but you know, when you're ready, when it's the right time, that person finds you no matter where you're hiding. You know, and, and you know, frankly, I, was, I wasn't hiding, but I wasn't looking either. So, and that's the other thing you find what is best for you when you're not looking for it and allowing the universe to pull the punches and, and throw the switches. So Sometimes and, and that, you, know, you need to do your work first or that perfect partner won't connect, won't gel. Yep. That's true, too. So, you know, there's there's this, this lifetime in the physical plane is, is certainly... Well, it's certainly challenging, but it, it's exciting. It's it's an amazing journey. I mean, your 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 option is to be an etheric body, and sooner or later, you say you say to yourself or or thought think to yourself or whatever, I'd like to work on this aspect, and the only way I can do it is in physical form. So I'm going to have to incarnate, and you know, then then you do all of the. Uh, the homework on what it is you want to work on and you figure out a life path and, and a life contract, I guess you'd call it, and you incarnate. Mm-hmm. And and then a cool, cool journey begins. This this life is not meant to be a struggle. I do not believe. And, you know, even it's those... Not, it, even, it, there's work, though. There's work. But whether you struggle or not is up to you. 
Yeah. Well, what do you tell, what do you say to people that, that have, you know, um, fallen into addiction and stuff like that? I mean, what what do you say to those people who have just uh, apparently lost all hope and are, are dependent upon one form or another of an addiction? I mean, that's a whole science in, it, in itself. Uh, I yeah. mean, my mother was an alcoholic, cross addicted with barbiturates. Um, part, sometimes it's a life challenge. Um, uh-huh. You came in with the addiction for certain reasons. It doesn't mean you're good or bad. You know, that's it's one of the things I want to tell people. If you haven't read Rob Schwartz's books, Your Soul's Planning, Your Soul's Gift, they're golden because they teach you karma is not carrot and stick, bad and good. It's five things. It's unbalanced energy, which is a neutral, healing, service, uh-huh. contrast. You want to learn about abundance, you have to be both rich and poor, and healing of beliefs. So if you go through many lives believing that unless you have wine or booze or drugs, no one will love you, you won't be interesting enough, then you may come in addicted or you may come in with a family member that you love who is addicted and you work with them, or you may decide to be an addiction counselor. But you didn't come in with an addiction problem because you're bad. You didn't. Uh-huh. It's a challenge. I didn't get That's... cancer three times because I was bad. I got it because no. I needed to learn how to deal with being in a female body when most of the time I'm male and to respect women. That was the life challenge, and the cancer was part of the lesson. That's uh-huh. all. Yeah, it's it's easy. It you know doesn't feel easy sometimes, but it is. You're absolutely right. So that so that the challenges that that we're faced with when we come in are actually challenges that are they're important for us to have. I mean, if you're if you're not challenged, you're here for nothing. I would guess. That's right. And you agreed to it in your pre-birth plan. People say, why would I do this to myself? It's so miserable. Well, mm-hmm. what I tell them is it's one role. Um, and I use the example of Matt Smith. Everybody loved Matt Smith as the 11th doctor from Doctor Who. But then Matt Smith oh, okay. turned around and played Prince Philip in The Crown, who was something of a son of a bitch. But mm-hmm. the person in, at core was Matt Smith. Matt is your higher self. Matt is your soul. The 11th Doctor and Prince Philip are incarnations. One was great. One was very difficult. But it doesn't mean that it was deserved. It meant that the higher self chose to play those roles for learning, for growth. Yeah, and life is not punishment. And and you know, I've I've had people say, "Why am I being punished? I must have been bad in a past lifetime." And it's not punishment. It's not meant to be punishment. It's, I think it's meant to be a party. To be honest with you, I mean, I know there's work, but but it, it's there's laughter and there's joy, and you can be blissful and poor. I mean, people in in the concentration camps. 
they 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 maintained a lot of them their spirituality and their understanding and their faith and it it was it hard was it miserable was it you know awful yes but those that survived it um it it had to do with with a lot of the 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 strength of the spirit that was within them um i think one of the other things that you've said in many different places and and i hope people have gotten the message that both of us have it as well that that laughter and and humor is very important to the development it's it's crucial laughter is what lightens the spirit laughter is what what helps you to ascend without that laughter and without that joy not at the expense of somebody else but it it's crucial to this pathway there there are so many people that ritualize the the practition of of meditation and chanting and everything else and and they 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 negate out the laughter and the joy in life they're they're not chugging on all eight cylinders in my opinion no when we laugh we drop our shielding when we laugh information can get in it's it's just that profound but that simple yeah i would highly recommend i mean there are tons of books out there that are just fabulous books um and and it it's you know do some reading stretch yourself um I do believe in spiritual development groups so long as there's not someone with an ego bigger than everybody else's in charge of them. Um, there are wonderful courses out there that people can take, a lot of them, you know, uh, connected with, like, the spiritualist church and things like that. So, you know, if you're if you're looking for a place to study how to expand your spirit, um, you know, ask around because I find it find a psychic or an intuitive that that you respect and ask them, you know, what would be some good steps or what would be some good ways. And at the bottom of everything, 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 everything is meditation of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. It's an it's an amazing tool, and there's so many different ways to meditate that that you know. Don't even bother to try to enumerate them. Um, I, I don't know. How do you feel about that? You can meditate peeling an apple. If you're completely one-pointed focus, you feel mm-hmm. the peeler in your hand. You hear the soft noise as the peel separates from the flesh. You watch the beautiful curl. That gets you centered. And then if you want to do meditation where it is no mind, which takes work, you can move yeah. to that too, but you gotta shut up the squirrels upstairs. Yeah, there. That's, that's the I, I think when when I began this work, you know, I would be very very quiet and I would feel myself get a little floaty, and then I would say, oh, "I'm meditating," and and then of course you're not because you thought mm-hmm. something, so that it pulled you back down. Um, the empty mind meditation is is just. <laughs> It is so valuable and so easy and yet so hard. But um, meditation of some sort is such a, it's highly recommended. And, again, there are tons and tons of different ways of doing it. And, and try, try them all until you find one that you really flow with and that really works for you. And then 
do it on a regular basis because it does help to focus you and get you grounded and aim you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Seriously, guys, as little as 10 minutes a day. We're not saying you have to sit zazen for 12 hours. Oh, God, no. (laughs) I I think that's something that some people have – I think it's recommended with the empty-minded meditation to start with five minutes and go to go to twenty slowly, and and not go beyond the mm-hmm. twenty because that's enough. Um, it kind of gives you um, a chance for for your spirit to breathe a little bit, and and it does move you into a new place within yourself. Um, one of the things that that everybody is, <clears throat> I, I when when people knew you were coming on board um, for tonight. The the one question everybody asked, and I I just said you've got to be kidding me, and Boy, um, yes. <laughs> how do I find my soulmate? <laughs> yeah, well, all right. Now we're going to get into the class about soulmates. For okay. one thing, a lot of people get. Um, soulmates mixed up with twin flames okay yep everybody has more than one soulmate because soulmates are our core team all right in my life my father was my best friend he was a soulmate my last husband Uh nope my current husband you bet Um, My spiritual mentor that I was very close to for many, many years, and then we split up as our lives took us in different directions, so was she. So what's a twin Mm -hmm. flame? A twin flame, Bogart and Bacall, John and Ah. Yoko, um, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, the people that you cannot imagine them with anybody else. Now, it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you have to marry them. A great example of that is Paramahansa Yogananda the wonderful Indian mystic of of the early 20th century, he had a disciple. Her name was Sri Dayamata, who started following him at 18 and died in her 90s, long after he died, running the uh, Self-Realization Fellowship, which he started. They were twin flames, even though there was absolutely nothing sexual between them, but there was that mystic bond. So Uh you don't have to marry soulmates. You can, but better is to look for who is the person that will help you walk your road and help you complete your life challenges. And we have more than one. If we didn't, uh-huh. nobody would get divorced, guys. You know, think smart here, which is why, it's one of the reasons I will not, when someone says where and when and what's he look like in, in, in. My thing is I say, I'm going to go month by month for three years, and I'll show you what your serious possibilities are. Because maybe there is this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tall guy who is a lawyer, and his parents are from Geneva, Switzerland, and he has a sister, and he could work brilliantly for you. But then if you just concentrate on him, now you're going to ignore the performance artist from Brooklyn whose parents are Italian, and they run a furniture store in Philly because – I told you about the blonde dude. Now, either one of these guys could help you fulfill your life challenges. If I had just said you have these two options, you would have made the decision that's free will. 
when you ask a psychic for exact information, you are abrogating using your free will, and that's what you came here to learn to do. It's one of your major lessons. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. my take on soulmates. Is it's, you got them? You may not marry them, but you have them already. Yeah. I I think that that the definition of soulmates has been um, corrupted greatly over time, and mm-hmm. I I definitely agree with you on on the fact that you know there are people that will blend with your journey. I think one of the important things that that I tell people who are together or or who are going to marry or or whatever is the the most one of the most important things, not the most, but one of the most is that so long as both of you follow your dreams, you're okay. The minute you let go of your dreams to help them follow theirs, you destroy the balance that is in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's very hard for a lot of people to do, you know, continue their own journey at the same time, you know, sharing the other person's journey. It, it, it's it, not impossible to do, but it takes work. And women especially tend to want to help their partner fulfill their dreams and sacrifice themselves, and as soon as you do that, then you've started a cancer that may not end in illness, but it will end the relationship eventually because there will be resentment. Mm-hmm. So um, I would agree with you 100%. Yeah, that's you – know, and people look at me and say, well, what do you mean? And, and you know, I have um, friends who, because they are um, – protecting their relationship they never get on with their dreams and now to this day they won't be able to tell you what their dreams are because they're so busy helping everybody else and that's their choice and their free will and you know you kind of want to beat your head against a brick wall and say but what about you you know i'm not saying you know you should leave the relationship i'm saying find your dreams again um so uh, there's there's a, there's it's not easy to be a partner, and it's there's a balance here that is a very delicate balance, and and you have to respect and and encourage and yet not try to manipulate or push. So it isn't it isn't as easy as all that, and love is wonderful, <laughs> but sometimes it's not quite enough. And sometimes if you do not allow others to fall and hit bottom, they will not learn to pick themselves up. It, you know, going back to when you and I were discussing addicts, you can't uh-huh. save everybody. And if someone knows they will always be picked up and saved, they will not make the effort to do it themselves. So sometimes really loving someone is letting them fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh it, it, yes, I totally agree with you. It's just it's a hard pill for people to swallow, and um, especially parents. Yes, <laughs> especially parents. No, I I think that doing this work for a long, long time, you see 
not everything because there's always a surprise around the next corner. But, um, you know, you see an amazing variety of, of challenges that people have come into this, this plane to, to um, experience and work with. And you sit back and, and sometimes it's just it's amazing what some people have chosen as their challenges. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's humorous. Um, but they take it seriously, and, and usually they, they succeed. I think, you know, just from the topic of your book and everything, um, it, a lot of people out there equate equates psych, psychic with being spiritual, and, and it isn't always. Psychics aren't always spiritual, and spiritual people aren't always psychic. It's, it's, you made a similar um, comparison with spirit guides and angels in your book yes yes um the way i explain it is uh, we may all remember venn diagrams which were those two interlocking circles in math class and the important stuff was where they met well the venn diagram for spirit guides and angels is a donut the little hole is the angels and the big donut is spirit guides all angels are spirit guides, but not all spirit guides are angels. Spirit guides are going to grow and change as we do. You have different ones through life. They can be your Aunt Tilly. They can be an avatar. They can be an elemental. They can be an ET. And, yes, they can be angels. Everybody's got at least one angel, guys. We cannot get out of here without their help. But the thing is, those spirit guides are fallible especially if they were once human my first Mm -hmm. spirit guide was someone i flew with a hundred years ago during world war one he saved my life and i saved his he loved me to bits and he is wiser now because he's out of the body he's not as limited but he is not an omnipotent omniscient being and sometimes he would give me information that didn't work it didn't mean that he lied, and he didn't mean he didn't care, but they can only see so far. Okay? Uh-huh. You have got to connect. Angelic energy is the top of the line, and your higher self will work with you. You can talk to your own soul. Honestly, you can. Look at your hand. Your palm is your whole soul. Parts of it come down and animate these little bitty bodies during your incarnation. Remember the little guy in the head from Men in Black. Now, two fingers can touch, right? That means I can actually talk to an incarnation of mine from two lives ago because the soul will formulate itself within that personality. And there'll be plenty of soul left for me that I can be formed as well. Mm -hmm. See? But, But each of us comes from a human perspective and human perspectives are limited we are so that's why go for angel go to connect directly with spirit itself don't make the mistake of assuming that someone who channels your spirit guides is glurpy purple with angels guys because they're not how do you make how do you tell the difference i mean is it the quality of the information is that and, and what if you're what if you're tuning in yourself? I mean, how do you know 
when you're getting information from a spirit guide or an angel? What how how do you differentiate? Well, the things that I that's that's a whole chapter, but the things that I tell people there are very specific things that a spirit guide or angel will not do. If you hear these kinds of things from that little voice in your head, put a do not use sticker on it and leave it alone because it's not what you think. No uh-huh. spirit guide or angel will chastise you in a sharp or mean fashion putting you down. They won't pump up your ego at the expense of someone else. They won't try to guilt you into doing something. They will not encourage you to do something that is illegal, immoral, harmful, or against your highest good, something your gut knows is wrong or not in your best interest. If you think your spirit guide is John Lennon, Princess Diana, or Stevie Ray Vaughan, it probably isn't because they are famous people. Now, there is one guy, and I'm not going to mention his name, uh, that he believes he channels George Harrison, Uh, and maybe he does. But, um, you know, it's not really likely because they're dealing with their own stuff. Now, if you're very attached to them, maybe you can take their lives as an example to pattern yourself after. Look at how generous Princess Diana was. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at the brilliant musical mind that John Lennon had. But... They're not your spirit guides. Meet them when you're upstairs, you know? Once you're upstairs, all bets are off. You can see anyone you want. But do not assume that um, Grace Kelly, Princess Grace, has decided that you are going to be her new icon on Earth and she's talking to you every morning over coffee. It ain't happening. Yeah. Huh. That's true. That's true. I, I... I think everybody, you know, in a way, um, but but again, I, I mean, yeah, I, I saw, I went to, to see a um, a medium that, that um, I forget what the name, whoever that they were channeling, and um, there was a large group of us, and we were, I, I mean, I'm talking a couple hundred, and people were asking questions, and the person doing the channeling started to um be aggressive towards the people that were asking the questions. And I, I got up and the, the person I was with said, where are you going? I said, oh, this isn't real. You know, I'm not going to ask for my, my money back, but I am going to leave. And he said, but it's so spiritual. I said, no, it's not. Not when she starts to call people names because they're asking a stupid question. No. <laughs> and we left. Um there's a and, and, there's a very very famous person who's doing that now. I don't know if that's the same woman you're talking about, but it makes me very suspicious of all the information. Yeah, yeah, and and mm-hmm. you know I I think lots of times people who um see I I, I this is hard to say because I I am a medium as well but there are trans mediums out there that I truly believe are not trans mediums that that uh you know I'm sure there are for real trans mediums I just haven't met one yet um mm-hmm. it's 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 sort of like when they they weave a tale I there there was a time when a trans medium was just the only thing you know, to that, that was the creme de la creme. And mm-hmm. if you go way back a couple hundred years, 
they they were pretty valid. But over time, theatrics has taken over on it. And and I once said to somebody, you know, if I were going to be a transmedium, I would have to channel somebody that nobody else channels because I I would hate to, you know, interrupt a flow or anything. And and, and actually, I chose Melchizedek because nobody, to my knowledge, was channeling him at that moment in time. But I couldn't keep a straight mm-hmm. face. So... You know, so so transmediumship was just not going to go. Um, but you know, you kind of look at these these energies, and you want to. You, you really there's there's a part of everybody that wants to have a high somebody. I mean, Archangel Michael is one, um, and and I'm sure that you do talk to Archangel Michael. I'm not saying you don't, but. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when the ego gets in the way with some of these people that are on the corners talking, you know, that they they were talking to these people, they don't have the background. They don't have the fundamentals. They don't have the talents. They don't have, I don't know, uh, it's not street creds. It's, it's, they can't support it. I've had people um, talk about the things that, that, Spirit has said to them that, you know, I, I, I had a, a, one person that said that the, her spirit guides told her it was okay to commit suicide. And I said, you're not talking to spirit guides. You can't possibly be talking to spirit guides that would tell you it's okay to kill yourself. That doesn't make sense to me. So, no. so, so, so in other words, if you, if, if, and in, if you as a person not you personally, but anybody listening, if you're talking to spirit guides and they're giving you information that doesn't feel right, change channels because, mm-hmm. you know, you know it's, it's, it's ego, it's, it's other energies, it's lower energies. I don't know what you want to call them, but it's just not valid and spiritual. No, it's not. Um you know, spirit doesn't have the short-sightedness, the us versus them, that humanity mm-hmm. does. There, it's it's there's so much bigger. For instance, you know, when when I have a client who is complaining about a mean boss or someone who's a bully or whatever, I say, use the duty head defense, and they go, "What's that?" I say, "Imagine." If there was a four-year-old in front of you and he kicked you and said, you are such a duty head, what would you do? She said, I'd laugh. Exactly. Realize when Mm -hmm. somebody is being nasty to you and petty, they're just a big four-year-old calling you a duty head. And what you feel is you feel compassion that that's all they got. Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. I, I, I think if all of us did that, it would be a better world. Well, and it makes mothers of toddlers laugh a lot because they get it right away. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's the, people take this work very seriously. I take it seriously. You take it seriously. But at the same time, there is laughter and joy, and that's how you get over some of these these um, challenges that that we have set for ourselves. It's, it's kind of you have to laugh. You just you know. Note to self: Don't do this again. This is really crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I think there are many times um, over over the months and years that that I have you know stepped back and said note to self. 
I don't want to do this again. This, this, you know, I, I think I understand the lesson, and it still presents itself. So obviously, I haven't gone deep enough, and you know, it's kind of like, all right, we'll dig some more. And the element of patience is something that's very important because you have to understand that that while um, you know we have a lifetime here, the spirit inside of us has forever. So that so that it's not you know. And I jokingly said to somebody, I'm I'm I've reached an age in which I'm going to shove all my karmic debt over to the next lifetime. I'll never know what hit me. So so I'm done paying karmic debt. So you know. I'll just do it next time because I don't want to do any more this time. I don't think I don't you can it. actually do that. But Hey, somebody but has was to a, try it and find out. Let us know. Yeah, the other thing that I really would love to be able to do is instead of, you know, when I pass over, have everybody um, split up all my stuff and, and my money and fight and argue over my jewels and my tiaras and my crowns, none of which I have, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to be able to leave my stuff to me for my next life. So that when I get to my That's next life, I can... Yeah. Uh, why, why, and, and, you know, the reality is the wisdom is there. And it's there for the taking if I if I put the work in to go for it. But you know the other stuff, why why make relatives crazy over arguing over you know a couch or a chaise or you know the tea service or china? Why not just put it in storage for yourself for the next life and you know hundred two hundred years in the future, be able to go to the storage facility and take it out and carry on with it. Now that would be fair. Well, you know, there's there's something really odd that I'm going to share with you about that. I've told you I know who I was two lives ago. We've had so many things that I know that I couldn't have known if I wasn't this person. Well, right. Um, I went to probably the most well-known World War One German military dealer in the world, and I mm-hmm. bought a composite map, an observation map that belonged to the same squadron that I belonged to two lives ago. And when I put my hands on it, I felt like I was torn in two. My consciousness was in two places. I I felt my body shift. I held it differently than I had started out to. And I saw in my mind myself and my squadron mates running down the stairs where we were stationed to grab hold of the new observation map because it's how we figured out where to fly our patrols. And on it, it's, uh, it was uh, stamped Geheim, which is uh-huh. secret in German. And I heard somebody in my voice point to that and laugh and say, it's not going to be secret much longer. So I have actually uh-huh. had that experience, and you, it takes you a day and a half to come back from it. Because you're trying to consciously straddle two lives at once. So you'd better you know, leave that, some instruction to your to yourself <laughs> in the notes, in the sofa. Well, that, that happened to me. My brother and I went in a, an antique shop a long time ago, and there was a ring there that was a moonstone. And I said, oh, that's my ring. And um, my mother said, well, you know, 
let's see how much it is. And we talked to the store owner, and she told us, and I said, I can't afford that, but it is my ring. And about three months later, we went back in, and I looked at her. I said, my ring's still here? And she said, yeah. I said, how much is it now? And she lowered the price. And this this happened over a year's time, and, and I think I must have been back three or four times. And I finally went into the store, and I and she stopped me at the door. She said, how much will you give me for this ring? And I told her, what I, and it was a fair price. And she said, take it and never claim another piece of jewelry in my store again. She said, no one will look at it. And it was my ring. I know it was my ring in another lifetime. Now, I don't know what the lifetime was, but I do know that it was my ring. Um, I bet you if you sat was, with it for a while, you could put it together. Oh, probably, probably. It was. My mother looked at me and said, "How did you do that?" And I said, "It was my. It was just my ring. I mean, it, it was. It was an antique. But you know, I said it. it you know, and, and I looked at the other stuff there, and, and my mother said, "Is anything else here yours?" And I said, "No." <laughs> but it was. It was so weird to watch this woman. You know, she she finally said, "No one will look at it." They, they will, and it's a pretty ring. So um, why no one else bought it except the fact that it was mine and it was waiting for me. And I felt very, very good. That, and I love it. I mean, I wear it a lot. So, you know, if you're lucky and, and you're you're paying attention to signs and stuff like that, I mean, don't go robbing stores or anything, but, but every now and then you may brush up against something like, like Corby did that, that was a, has a past life connection and and it is an electric connection. I would imagine it was profound for you. I mean, um, for you mm-hmm. to to be able to snag onto how you touched it, where you touched it, and and it must have it must have kind of thrown you off balance a little bit. Oh, you just don't know how much. I still own it. <laughs> but it is now encased in museum-quality coverings, and it's tucked in our basement in a nice, safe, dry place. I love owning it, but it's tough to hold it because right now I really, really need to be Corby here. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you've written a couple of really good books, and I'm sure there's another one on the, I think we did, you did mention you you had another one you were working on. Yes. You want to you want yes. to briefly tell everybody about your um your soul's um oh cleaning out your your life closet. Oh, clean out your life closet. That was actually the first book. And okay. uh, our lives basically have four things that we work on. Clarity, adaptability, simplicity and making friends with stress. Um but you know Decades of self-help volumes have spent pages and pages saying, we have the answer, do what we say, and we all get better. And I know that's not the truth. So the way I did my book is I said, here's some of the dumb things I did. Here's some information for my, you know, a client or two. And here are some ideas to think about. And then at the end of each chapter, you have open-ended questions that you can answer to take what I wrote and make it work for your life. By the end of the book, if you've put all that together and you've done those uh, questions, this is now your own personal manual, and anyone else would read it differently. So you read this book ah. along with me. 
Now that sounds fascinating. A, a very a, a really wise woman once said to me, "If your closet is in order, so is your life." And um, mm-hmm. in many ways, and and <laughs> it was my cleaning lady, but she was right. And and I have found at times in my life when I felt overwhelmed, the first thing I go and do is to clean out closets and organize them, and and then things seem to flow more better, more better, more good, better. Um, so, you know, and, and I knew it's, exactly uh, what you meant. <laughs> gooder. Uh, no, I mean it, it's it's amazing the difference it makes, but but there's there's far more to it, and I I think that, that book as well um, sounds like almost a must for people, and I love the fact that you're putting things in people's hands and saying, use it, apply it. You know, I can't do it for you, but you can do it for yourself and then, then, you know, be able to embrace the joy that you have when you've actually made things work instead of asking somebody else to help you do it, them, you know, with you. And so what's the other book you're working on now? The other book I'm working on now uh, is going to be number two for um, – Clean Out Your Life Closet. It's called The Big Reboot because the self-development ah. project has three. Clean Out Your Life Closet, The Big Reboot, and Be Your Own Masterpiece. So we'll get it cooking. I can't imagine what you, where you go from there, but I'm sure you go in amazing directions because, you know, you're really giving people the tools and and there are guideposts here. You're not you're not telling them where to go or how to go, but you're giving them the tools to figure it out for themselves. And I think that is that is a far greater gift because, you know, uh, on, as we sit here on the earth plane, we only have um, a frame of reference physically for this particular lifetime. And you're helping them to find a way to, to touch into the spirit within that has, that has, you know, all of our lifetimes to draw from, which is, you know, far greater wisdom and and addressing it in, in how they can apply all of that wisdom to this lifetime. And yes, you're going to struggle. Yes, you're going to have challenges. And if you don't have challenges, then there's something wrong someplace. And, um, you know, it's it's really, it's a fascinating journey once you understand that it's it's, this is only a stepping stone to another adventure. This is not all there is. There is so much more. And my gosh, if you knew all of your past lives, you probably well, you'd be nuts. Um, and you'd because, sit there and you'd watch it like a movie. You wouldn't live. So why would I remember now? You got to live now. Yeah. And if you do, you know, touch into a past life, it's because there's something particular in that past life that applies to something you're going through now. I mean, when when I tap into people's past lives, it's almost always because there's something there that relates to something that's going on now that you want to apply, that you've already gathered, you just don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Exactly the point. So you want to give people, you know, your website and where they can get your book and, and that they should go to your website for the paperback book and stuff like that? Sure. You can always find my website. It's CorbyMitlide.com. C-O-R-B as in boy, I-E, 
M-I-T-L-E-I-D. You can find me on Facebook at Fire Through Spirit. You can find me as Corby Mitleid on Twitter, uh, Corby Mitleid on Instagram. I believe I'm even on Pinterest. I mean, there are so many things there. But the most important place (laughs) to find me is always at the website. And you have my books there as well. Yeah, and and I have to say that the website is very informative. There's a lot of really cool material there that you that you you can read and that you can um, apply to your life. It's it's not it's not a hi I'm a psychic get a reading. It's you know these are things you want to look into, and you do explain a lot of things. Um, and I think that that's that's one of the things I love about your website is that you're giving a lot of information away. You're not um, you're not out there, you know, handing out tickets or anything like that. You're basically saying, here's some information. If this works, fine. And if it doesn't work, you can call me and you can book a reading. But, but you know, here's some information. Um, you know, do with it as you will. Uh, mm-hmm. Here, you know, you've been a, you've been so much fun to talk to. It's it's so cool to talk to somebody who has been through some of the some of the trenches that I've been through. And um, and sharing some of our <clears throat> favorite stories, um, mm-hmm. although not all of them, uh, and 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 just um, kind of sharing sharing perceptions and and principles, and hopefully people will understand that that you know we really are here to help as we grow, and and you know if we can help. You know, there it's it's there and available to them, in in a multitude of different ways and modalities. You know, our websites are out there, um, we're out there, and and you know, hopefully, people can benefit from oh, I don't know, fifty years or so of experience from both of us. So, <laughs> I do thank you for <laughs> that's a long time, <laughs> and and thousands and thousands and thousands of readings. So. Um, thank you again for being here. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. This damn clock is ticking down here. Um, Mark has a show tomorrow night. I'll be back next Monday, and, n- next Monday, and Mark will be back next Tuesday or Wednesday. Anyhow, two shows a week, guys. Do check us out. Corby, thank you so much again, and um, good night, everybody. Thank you so much for being here and sharing time with us. Good night now. <laughs>